You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. We're in a series on prayer, and uh, we've been focusing on prayer and notes that have been um, uh, added to, but uh, obviously take the basis from a series that Brother Woodward had done a while back. And um, we're talking about jubilant, fervent prayer. And uh, we're going into lesson two, and uh, we're focusing on uh, four different types of prayer. Last week, we I did a lesson on occupying prayer, and the whole idea behind occupying prayer is the ability that God has given you and I through the power of His Spirit, amen, to bind on earth what has already been bound in heaven and to loose on earth what already has been loosed in heaven, and uh, whatever that is that the world would try to attack you and I with, amen, we are to occupy until He comes. And that is a passion and a fervency of prayer, amen, that the enemy cannot deal with, amen. He cannot deal with the child of God who is fervent in prayer. So we take our text from James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so tonight we're going to talk about Disciplined prayer. Disciplined prayer. Um, Joel chapter 2 and verse 12, Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Below the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. This passage is is scripture that Joel writes um, just before uh, we get um, the, the, the very famous verses that we quote on a regular basis that Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost. And, and, and Joel, he kind of puts it this, for, this way in verse 28. So this is following uh, the desire for the group of people, God's people, to call a fast, have a time of weeping, mourning, uh, calling a solemn assembly where we all say, you know, together, we are going to spend a time in prayer that um, is disciplined. Uh, this, this is verses that are given before verse 28. 28 says, and it shall come to pass afterward. Afterward. It's, it's not a coincidence. It's not in there by mistake. Uh, Joel writes, it shall come to pass afterward uh, that I will pour out my spirit, speaking about the Lord, upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Uh, that's a powerful verse, 
but that comes to pass afterward. That's after discipline prayer. So we've already talked in our first lesson about occupying prayer, which is fervent, passionate prayer uh, that follows prayer and fasting, that is part of prayer and fasting. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about discipline prayer, discipline prayer that follows prayer and fasting or is part of prayer and fasting. What is discipline prayer? It's effectual, effective prayer. So it's, uh, it's a prayer that's, uh, that's in addition to what we learned last week, fervent and passionate, but it's effectual and effective. Uh, discipline uh, and prayer uh, don't often go together, uh, but they should. <laughs> they should go together. But when we talk about prayer, um, we don't always think of the word discipline. Uh, but discipline and prayer should go together. Prayer shouldn't just be random. It shouldn't just be an afterthought. If I've got time, if, if, if the right things fall into place, if I have the right need. No, it is not an accident that the followers of Jesus are called disciples, which comes from the same root word as discipline. So, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to come up with a neat word to call my followers. No, that's not what the Lord did. He actually uses from the same root word of discipline. Disciples are disciplined people. So prayer is certainly a training regiment that has uh, benefits over time uh, from people who are disciplined in prayer. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. As soon as you declare you're going to spend a day in fasting, that's when you're going to get hungry. That's when someone's going to invite you out for coffee and a donut. <laughs> uh, that, I, I know how that works. Uh, You'll get invited over for supper on that night. Weeks and months could have gone by, but that'll be the day. And it's kind of like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll fast tomorrow. <laughs> uh, what happens is it's, it's, it's a, not one person is that that happens to. It's, it's a normal process. Prayer that's disciplined is a quite, a, quite a bit of work. And today we're going to, or tonight, we're going to look at the Bible in the sense of maybe the most popular prayer passage throughout Scripture. And it's from Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. It says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Now, I'm going to read this to you in the message just so you see uh, some explanation. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This comes from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is teaching uh, not the lost. He's teaching his disciples, his disciplined people, not preaching to sinners. Uh, in fact, the message that I just read to you introduces the passage to show us that Jesus always expects more from his disciples than he does from the crowd. Always. This, this is what the scripture says. And he climbed higher. 
He climbed higher than the crowd. He went farther than the crowd. He climbed higher with his disciples. Instead of Jesus telling us what he wants to do for us, salvation, he now tells us what he wants us to do for him, which is discipleship. So the Sermon on the Mount is all about uh, the, the companions of God climbing with him to a different plateau. That doesn't mean that we're better, doesn't mean that we're more qualified, doesn't mean that we have a, 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 a greater monopoly on God. No, no, it's just disciples that say, I'm going to be disciplined greater than anyone else uh, around me, no matter what they're doing or what they say or what, what they're leading or what example they're showing, whatever. I'm going to make sure that my walk with God is disciplined. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1, this is still the Sermon on the Mount. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Notice now how the message puts this. Be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater. But the God who made you won't be applauding. Uh, the message is very accurate in paraphrasing the verse that we have in the King James Version of chapter 6, verse 1 of Matthew. Because Jesus uses the Greek word uh, theomai, which is the, the original root of the English word theater. He uses that word. And Jesus is identifying the most common temptation in the area of spiritual discipline. The temptation is to craft or come up with a public image that is vastly different than what we have in private reality. And so he's telling his disciples, this is all part of the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to go higher, but this is not so you look better than everyone else. This is not theater. This is not, I'm not applauding if you claim to be more spiritual than other people. That's not the purpose behind our discipline. And it's no different today. It's the exact same. Our, our discipline in prayer should not be so that we're trying to prove in public uh, something that's different than what it is in private. Um, why, why are these spiritual disciplines so important. Uh, they help us conquer our old nature and let the new nature or the new creature gain the supremacy in our, uh, our life in basically three different areas. And we're going to talk about those three areas. So discipline uh, prayer helps us conquer self. That's what fasting does. When people are part of fasting, it's about bringing me under control so God can talk to me so I can hear him clearly in my discipline of prayer. Uh, our, flesh, our flesh will always want to hear what it wants to hear. And so what happens in discipline prayer or 
discipline, prayer, and fasting, it brings self under control so that God can talk to us in spiritual areas and, and uh, those areas tonight we're going to talk about. First John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Um, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1 introduces those three areas of spiritual discipline. Uh, he talks about when we give, um, talks about uh, how we pray and fast when we give, um, when we are, we, when we are tempted, how we, how we talk uh, more than how we uh, walk, uh, and also, uh, when we're uh, in spiritual matters, uh, uh, we can become hypocrites, uh, uh, merely wearing a mask uh, spiritually if, we, uh, if, if we're not careful. Uh, if you read through chapter 6 of Matthew, he's going to introduce, actually, the three things that are talked about in 1 John chapter 2, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So, Jesus is, he's not saying that you always have to do your giving, praying, and fasting in secret, obviously, uh, because people do see us uh, in some of those areas. He's simply teaching that giving, praying, or fasting, uh, is, uh, that it's only motivated by a desire to uh, not impress others, because that, that ain't going to be profitable for rewarding, but rather that this is from the discipline of prayer that God has placed into our spirit. My giving, my fasting, and my praying should not be so that I'm recognized. It's not about me, okay? Um, it's about, okay, God, how can you, how can you be better recognized through the disciplines of prayer? And he's taken his disciples now up into a hillside his companions, his preachers, his teachers, and he says, I want to talk to you about discipline prayer, and I'm going to talk to you about three areas, when you give, when you fast, and when you pray. Um, let's talk about the first one, when you give. He speaks about that in Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 to 4. In the message, it says, when you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and uh, unobtrusively. This is the way your God who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. See, giving is an important discipline, but it helps us conquer the lust of the eyes. And here's, here's how it does it. See, the lust of eyes says, I want. When you conquer that by your giving, it won't be about what you want. It's about what can I give instead of what I want. So discipline prayer actually leads you and I in our giving to conquer 
the lust of the eyes. See, we got, sometimes people think, well, you know, the lust of the eyes is, is all immoral. It's not all immoral. The lust of the eyes can be all aspects of what my eye looks at to say, I want that. Someone else has got it, I want it. Uh, I, I'm going to have that. I'm going to do whatever I can to get that. Um, and, and sometimes people live in that mentality. And the Bible speaks in First, First John, that is a lust of the eye. And the best way to conquer that uh, lust of the eye, if it starts to arise in your spirit, is find yourself a place of disciplined prayer and say, God, how can I give? How can I give? Because when you start to give, it removes the idea of I want. Nothing, nothing removes the I want than seeing what someone else needs and giving it to it. <laughs> that'll change, that'll change uh, our thinking. That'll, that'll take the lust of the eye and say, you know what? You are not going to rule my life. Uh, I'm going to let disciplined prayer rise to the top and say, you know what? I'm going to conquer I'm going to conquer the lust of the eyes with giving. God, how can I give? I can give him my time. I can give him my energy. I can give him my talents. I can give of my finance. I can give. Uh, there's different ways for us to give to help someone. You know, it's, um, uh, it could be as simple as uh, uh, seeing someone that has something that needs to be done and uh, replacing your want with saying, you know what? Uh, it's not about whether I have enough time to do it. It's not about whether I'm, uh, I, I feel like doing it. I'm, no, I'm going to bring my flesh under subjection by giving up my time to that person that's in need. Oh, there's a great feeling that comes with bringing our flesh under subjection. And that, that's disciplined only through prayer, disciplined prayer. The second item that, is, that Jesus uses when he's talking to his disciples, he's speaking about when you fast. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 in the message, when you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, Act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair. Brush your teeth, wash your face. This is in the message. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you well. Now, he uses this, this washing your face and anointing your head um, uh, in Matthew chapter 6. See, fasting is an important discipline because it helps us conquer uh, what First John talks about as the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh says, I need. The lust of the eyes says, I want. The lust of the flesh says, I need. Fasting is, is negative for the flesh because uh, it is positive for the spirit. It intensifies your prayer life like nothing else when you say to your flesh, you're not getting anything to eat. Flesh doesn't like that. Okay, I can guarantee you the flesh doesn't like that. No, no, the flesh does not get excited about fasting. It doesn't. 
Okay. Um, but what it does, what this disciplined prayer does in fasting is it brings the flesh under subjection and it takes a hold of the lust of the flesh that says, I need, and it says, uh, actually, no, 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 you don't need. Uh, I'm going to bring that under subjection. Uh, Mark 9, 29 says, and he said unto them, this kind can, uh, can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. So your fast is between you and God, not to impress anyone, not to impress anyone else with how spiritual you or I are. When, when you are not denying your flesh at all, when your flesh gets public credit from all the denying it is enduring, uh, then there's no benefit to you. That's not discipline. Discipline, prayer and fasting says, um, no one else needs to know. I'm bringing my flesh under subjection. For a length of time, I'm going to fast. And listen, fasting uh, can be food. Fasting can be, for some people, fasting can be coffee. <laughs> that can be more important to some than food. Chocolate can be more important to some than food. Um, that's why, that's why uh, when it comes time for us to fast, uh, whatever it is that, that we enjoy the most, uh, uh, all of a sudden there's something that happens in your flesh that doesn't like it. But uh, the flesh does not become the most important, but rather the spiritual in your life. And fasting brings the spiritual to the forefront that you become sensitive to God being able to talk to you. Um, I understand the idea behind fasting on behalf of a need or whatever. It's not the purpose of fasting. The purpose of fasting is to get me under control. So that's not what I think I need. God, what is it? that you want me to be, to have, to do, to become, because everything I need is in you. He will supply all your need. Not needs, need. Everything you need is in the Lord. And so all of a sudden what fasting does, it brings me into a realization, there's only one thing I really need. And that's Jesus. If I get more of him, my flesh will come under subjection, and God can talk to me the way he desires. Um, so uh, it takes care of the lust of the eyes. Obviously, um, uh, when I give, takes care of the lust of the flesh when you fast. And then thirdly, when you pray, it takes care of the pride of life. Here's what. Here's what uh, Matthew says in chapter 6, verse 5, uh, talking about when you pray. This is from the message. And when you come before God, don't turn into a the theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Uh, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you can... You won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. 
They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this, and that's when he gives the Lord's Prayer. So praying is an important discipline because it helps us to conquer the pride of life. The pride of life says, I'm in charge. And discipline prayer says, he's in charge. There's a big difference. Big difference. Uh, so you get to see the lust of the eyes. Um, uh, I, I, I want. The lust of the flesh, I need. The pride of life, I'm in charge. It's all about I. Uh, when, when we're praying and fasting discipline prayer, it's, it's the opposite of that. When can I give? God, you're everything I need, and you're in charge. That's a different mentality, totally different. Notice two things about Jesus' instructions. We're taught how not to pray before we are taught how to pray. Um, we need to have the right attitude in prayer, and then we will also need to have the right approach in prayer. So what the Lord has given as an example, I can approach him right in prayer, but yet still with the wrong attitude. So he tells us first how not to pray before he tells us to pray. I got to come to him with the right attitude and the right approach. Uh, Jesus is not condemning uh, repeated requests. He told us to ask, seek, knock. You see that in Matthew 7 and 8, same Sermon on the Mount. And he made the same request. Uh, the Lord did that himself. Let this cup pass from me. Several times he made that request. It's not about repeated requests that he has issues with. It's about coming with the right attitude and the right approach in disciplined prayer to realize he's in charge and I'm not. I'm not. Um, the King James Version refers to it as vain repetitions. Uh, the Greek wording here means to speak without thinking. It's not about repeating something. It's uh, if, we were, if we were to look at a modern equivalent, it would be uh, maybe words like this. Uh, I'm talking like a broken record. Maybe that's a term you've heard before. Or maybe that's just a term from Krishpaquai. Um, the Lord's Prayer um, is really the disciples' prayer. And he's telling his disciples, it's, it's not given to you just to repeat. We've kind of lost the benefits of what the Lord's Prayer is by it becoming a formality of being repeated. I don't know if this happened to you earlier in your early days of school, but you started the day by repeating the Lord's Prayer. I've been in many funerals where that's part of the repetition, the Lord's Prayer. Um, uh, what he's saying is to help avoid the meaningless repetition and come to him with the right attitude and the right approach so that your prayer is disciplined before God to make sure that he's in charge and I'm not in charge. 
This is, this is a prayer outline. Uh, six topics to, to um, make sure it's part of our daily prayer. And as we make ourselves uh, a disciplined in prayer each day, what we're really doing is we're cleaning out um, our, our eyes, we're cleaning out our, our flesh, and we're, we're cleaning out pride. We're, we're cleaning out the heart. Um, the heart is the conduit of uh, communication um, from which God exercises uh, uh, his spiritual health through our lives. Uh, uh, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So the idea behind what the Lord's doing for his disciples, listen, he said, I'm going to give you a pattern. It's not about repeating. I'm going to give you a pattern of prayer that will help you become disciplined in prayer, that will help you with the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's what disciplined prayer does for us. And he starts out in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. And he says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The idea behind that part of the pattern of prayer is for us to always start prayer with praise. Always start prayer with praise. Um, we, we're, we're talking about uh, what, what he wants in our life. We're, we're talking about him being in charge. You're always going to need to have the pattern of prayer starting with praise. He is the almighty God. He is the creator, and we are the creation. He is the potter, and we are the clay. He is the savior, and I am the sinner. Uh, I'm, gonna, I, I'm needing to start my pattern of prayer with praise. So it's not about me repeating, Our Father which art in heaven, uh, hallowed be thy name. That can be sincerely prayed, obviously. But that's, that's not the words that make the, the most important. It's about the praise behind how you start prayer. Discipline prayer should always start with praise. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The, the idea behind what is being spoken there is purpose, purpose prayer. So we start our, our praying with praise, and then we, we, um, we talk about purpose. And again, this is about him being in charge, not me being in charge. Notice the words, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's not about my. It's not my, it's thy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God Whatever your purpose is in my life today, that's what I want to discipline myself for. Because I'll tell you right now, I cannot trust my flesh. Can't. You can't trust your flesh. Do not trust your flesh. Okay? Look for God's purpose. 
The prayer words that have been given, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, is a pattern for us to pray what his purpose is. God, I'm going to praise you, but I want your purpose in my life. What is your will for my life today? Uh, the pattern goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, the idea behind what's being spoken there is provision. So we start with praise, what God is your purpose, and now provision. Uh, and humanity is, is, is like this. We're, we're not, um, anyone, no one's immune to this. We, we have the mentality that uh, we can fix it. We can figure it out. We'll, we'll solve it. We can get through. We're going to get through it, whatever the case is. That's, that's a mentality. That's not just a few people. We're, we all have a little bit of that. But rather, the pattern of prayer is provision from him. Give me today, God, what you know I need. What's so interesting about God is he knows what my day is going to be like long before me. So, God, I'm, I'm starting today with the pattern of disciplined prayer. Whatever it is, God, I need today, I'm asking for your provision for that. Because what I think it is may not be the case. Have you ever gone uh, through a day and it did not turn out the way you thought uh, your day was supposed to be? You had it all planned and it didn't go that way at all. You had all kinds of things set that you wanted to get done and that, I mean, that got thrown out by 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock in the morning. That list is gone. You got a new list. <laughs> or you had a list of things and you maybe only marked one or two things off. God, what is it that you want? Provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice behind uh, that uh, pattern of prayer is daily bread. Uh, God, it's not about providing for me for the week. Just, just today. And the example of that obviously is given uh, in the wilderness with God's people. Manna fell from heaven. Only collect what is enough for today. Just today. They were only, uh, um, before the Sabbath, allowed to collect enough for two days. But God's plan was for them to collect enough for that day. If they collected more, it was spoiled. Just enough. God just need what you want for me today, today. Um, he goes on to say, and forgive us our debts. Um, the idea behind that part of the, the pattern of prayer, prayer is pardon. So we start with praise, purpose, God's purpose, his provision, and next, pardon. And forgive us our debts. Um, you know, part of our discipline prayer is, uh, we have to realize that we are just flesh. We're just flesh. God, I, I need your forgiveness. I need your pardon. I need your cleansing. I need, God, my heart to be washed and my mind to be cleansed and my, my life to be transformed. I need this to happen. I, this is a discipline. Uh, everybody, There's nobody that doesn't have to ask God for pardon. Everybody. Um, you may... You may have said things. You may have thought things. You may have done things. Pardon is going to be necessary. We're human people. He says, and 
we forgive our debtors. The next part of the pattern of prayer is people. People are always part of prayer. Praise, purpose, provision, pardon, people. It's always going to be about people. Always. I was, um, it just happened to be today that I was returning uh, something at Kent's and uh, I was at customer service and the lady was helping me and she was being kind about it and and uh, come up about uh, the church and all of a sudden this guy standing behind said, what, what church is that? And I said, oh, it's Mission Point, just up behind Downey Ford. What, what religion is that? Pentecostal. Oh, I, he said, I, I'm, I'm from the Catholic Church, but I love Pentecostal. There's vibrantness to that. I just moved here from Ontario. And, and I'll, something got taken back to Kent's, and it still became about people. Yeah, that's how I look at it. To me, I left there thinking, who cares what got taken back to Kent's? I just met someone who's hungry for God, gave him he ended up taking my card and going to visit the church. And it's all about people. It's about people. Notice, notice the pattern of discipline prayer. The pattern. Praise, purpose, provision, pardon, people. People. If it's not about people, then our prayer is going to be in vain. Uh, next it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, the idea behind that part of the pattern is protection. Protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, protect uh, us as we go about our day. Protect our family. Protect our church. Protect, protect. Whatever the, God, you, you are the protector. And so that's part of the pattern of prayer, discipline prayer. And he ends it with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He ends it again with praise. So starts with praise, ends with praise. You can think of them all as starting with the letter P. Praise, purpose, provision, pardon, people, protection, and praise. Praise. Um, this, is, this is part of our, um, this is part of our, Disciplined prayer. And remember, disciplined prayer deals with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Bringing those things under subjection so that God can actually talk to us. Amen. Um, after he concludes his, his prayer outline, uh, Jesus adds one more critical reminder that, his, uh, that this discipline prayer is really about our hearts being a, a conduit, a clean conduit for God to do what he can do in us. Notice uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, he says this in the message. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving God others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself out or off from God's part. And, and so he, he gives one last reminder of what disciplined prayer does. Disciplined prayer makes me available to have what God wants in my life. 
It's not just, okay, God, I, I've got a bunch of needs here. I've got 15 minutes to get through it. I'm going to rhyme them off to you. you. Do them as fast as you can because this, you know, these things should have happened yesterday. We're not serving a microwave God. He's not some genie in a bottle. It's not, no, it's not, that's not, no discipline prayer says, God, I want to bring myself under subjection so I have a connection with you. I'm going to do that through praise and purpose and provision and, and pardon and people and protection and praise. And I'm going to do that so that I am a conduit for you to do, God, through my life what you want to do. It's called disciplined prayer. Otherwise, we cut ourselves off from what God really wants to do. I don't know about you, um, but I, I want to have a connection with God that when you and I pray, we're not asking amiss. It's not about us. It's about him. And God, what is it that you desire? here on earth, that's already in heaven. What is it that you desire for us, Lord, to be to people? What is it, God, that you're trying to do through my life? It's called disciplined prayer. Sometimes that's going to require you and I to fast, to bring the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life under subjection. Nobody Nobody here in the room watching or listening online is immune to the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. Nobody. And um, the enemy uses those. And listen, he doesn't come up with new tech techniques. <laughs> those are the same techniques he's been using since the beginning of time. Oh, look at that fruit. Now, why would they tell us not to eat that? Look at it. That, thing, that looks like something I want. I think I'll take that. Adam, do you want some of this too? <laughs> I mean, you can just hear the process. I mean, it's, it's been happening since the beginning of time. The garden is full of things for them to partake of. One tree, not. To partake of. I wonder why we would be told not to partake of that. That can't be true that, um, you know, that, um, and this all of a sudden this little subtle question mark is put in the minds of people. No different than any of us. The enemy's still using lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Pride of life. Still. Amen. Uh, thank you for braving the, the roads tonight. Everyone that's watching, listening online, sitting beside the fireplace or whatever the case is. Um, we're glad you've joined us tonight at Mission Point. Uh, we we, we want to be a church that's occupying prayer and having disciplined prayer. Disciplined prayer. God, I want it to be about you. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.